Dog Safety Podcast with Vance and Bart. So I, I try not to react or call attention to things that I think are bad because I do believe that all publicity is good publicity. Mm-hmm. Agreed. I mean, I agree to that to an extent, but there are some things that like, it's like a comedy. Comedy can find a funny way to like, to point out the stupidity in an argument that you didn't see because you're not an expert in it or you don't really care enough about it to like look that deep. But if somebody else points out the ridiculously dumb things in it, like it helps you to not have to learn about that thing or whatever. Do you understand what I'm saying? I do. I do. So, Bearing that in mind, there was a podcast episode from NPR's Planet Money Oh, that came out this week. And NPR, <laughs> credible news <laughs> network. Huh? Yeah, super, super, super objective, very much of the people, <laughs> NPR. <laughs> Uh, that's I mean that's the reason to watch it. That's why all the smart people <laughs> listen to NPR, right? The smartest people you know. Do you remember when that was like the the thing that people really said? I do. What do you mean? I don't think I like the pe- the people who pretended to be intellectuals or whatever. They'd be like, "Oh, I don't listen. I listen to NPR." If you really say. I heard something on Neil Bortz and I said something to them. They'd be like, oh, I don't don't listen to that garbage. I listen to NPR. And it's like, it's a real pinky out type, just uh, look on those kind of people. And I mean, it was presenting itself as such a credible thing. (laughs) And it's just like to think about it now. it's It's just ridiculous. Well, it's, it's just as credible as what you're saying that, that right-wing talk radio versus left-wing right. talk radio, right? Right, but see, that was the thing. It was like, oh, right-wing and left-wing talk radio are both like full of shit, but NPR like has you in mind, you know? Like, they're, the, they're in the middle, and they're like, they just shoot straight, and it was just as bullshit as the whole thing, is it either side. It was just like, you know, right-wing talk radio was like, statist right wing and then left wing talk radio was status left wing and then NPR was just statist as fuck <laughs> like nobody was not statist you know they were all on the side of big government yeah it was it was bullshit all around well I, I think it's another good example of how the right and the left don't exactly approach branding or even just thoughtfulness the same way, mm-hmm. right? The right wing will just sort of throw everything at the wall and see what sticks and say whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, Left wing folks, a bit more meticulous, a bit more careful in crafting the message. But <laughs> where left, where right wing people will give up on a mission because they're throwing everything. Left wing will not give up on anything. It's like, it's just not good enough ever. I think that's something to applaud though, right? Because if someone is at least standing by some principle. Well, they don't stand by a principle. They just stand by moving forward. There is no, we win, but it's not good enough. There's just no principle there. Unless your principle is just to move forward. Well, I, I, I don't know that that's necessarily a moral principle, but I think 
practically, it's a good one. It's not worth debating really with me whether it's good, good or bad. Either way, I... Either, either, either. Which one? Potato, potato? Tomato, tomato? I do count myself among those extended pinky folk mm. and we'll we'll give NPR a, a bit of a listen here and there. And this episode to me just seemed so bad that it seemed like it had to be more than just incompetence. Um, yeah. We, we can listen to a, a bit of it just so everyone knows what I'm talking about here. But Hanlon's razor, right? Never attribute to malice that which is adequately explained by stupidity. Right. So we're, we're often having to remind ourselves that it's not some big conspiracy. It's not folks that are maliciously trying to persuade people to think a certain way. It's not intentional propaganda it might just be incompetence of some kind and i'll admit that a lot of what i hear from let's say journalists on the left we'll, we'll say uh, especially folks who are sort of in that npr bucket i tend to dismiss them as that because they were educated in a very specific way and do you concede, though, that there's a reason why a person who genuinely has those views makes it to where you're hearing them in places like that, as opposed to somebody who doesn't? Well, I think that's kind of my point, right, is that they keep getting lifted up and they don't necessarily recognize themselves that they are being selected. Mm -hmm. I agree. They think it's because they did a good job as opposed to they had the right viewpoints on a subject. Agreed. I think we've had a whole episode about that, actually. That selective promotions and whatnot of people by the upper echelon. Uh, people who don't really know that they're not as smart as they are being told they are. Whatever. Right, because at, at some levels, at some of the higher levels, there are a handful of gatekeepers and it's a bit of a black box on deciding what gets through and folks think that it's on merit as opposed to contributing to the right. And detail. if you I think, think of it like this, uh, that CNN, for example, and uh, most other news networks that are major considered major have admitted CIA operatives that work on their board um they all say they're retired now right that's like the move right but they admit that they're cia um why would they push anything forward that was anti-establishment state or cia or fbi or whatever right it's always going to be stories like jan 6 and shit with people like that at the top but the thing that I don't want to get too muddled down into. What are we about to hit on the lower level now? Yeah, I, I don't want to go too low down there. I, I, think, I think it's about the ideas themselves because. It, it is sometimes, right? And I think that's what we need to, uh, well, that's what we're going to address in today's episode is, is like, I know that sometimes we do get into the upper echelons and that's what we're referring to now and just know that we know that exists and we understand that but today we're gonna deal with the actual argument that they're putting forward and we're gonna destroy it right the the messenger has at least in this space nothing to do with it because I'll give you a bit of a spoiler example. Mm -hmm. This episode mentions Krugman, mm -hmm. the economist, in quotes. Yeah. <laughs> and while I think he very much epitomizes kind of what 
you're talking about there, I would say that the ideas have to stand on their own. And when he or anyone else like him is right, I have to give credit where credit is due. When Krugman was against the Iraq war, you have to say this person is an 100% evil and 100% wrong all the time. Right. And I think it's about the ideas and the message. But as he gets to the head by agreeing with the government on economic things. He doesn't make his living by agreeing with top government on war things. So he's allowed to dissent in some way. In fact, the dissent gives him credibility to your layman in the economic field. I think that's purposeful, to be honest with you. But, yes, I will say thank you for not being for the Iraq War, Krugman. And I wish that's all you did. <laughs> so anyway, this, let, let's, let's make sure it elevates the idea and not just the messenger. So let's give this a little bit of a listen here, shall we? This is Planet Money from NPR. Inflation, for a lot of us, might just feel like prices going up on us, right? But, but there is something that, like, kicks off inflation, that, that gets the inflation train going. Economists say it is too much demand chasing too little supply. Too much money, not enough things to buy. But something else can make inflation stick around. If you think of the 1970s, which was the last time the United States had really high sustained inflation, a big concern was rising wages. Yeah, prices for goods and services were high. And workers, maybe expecting prices to be even higher next year, asked for pay raises to, like, keep up. But then companies had to just raise their prices more to cover the new labor costs. And then workers asked for raises again, and it all, like, spiraled out of control. Which is why it is appropriately called the wage price spiral. It's a pretty good name. Pretty darn good name. And when <laughs> inflation started getting bad in 2021, economists in the U.S. Federal Reserve worried that wage increases would be a big problem. So this is going to be a common theme in this whole thing because when you're making these kind of mistakes... You have to start history at a point where the real problems already happened. So what they're referring to is the wage spiral or whatever. This is an easily disputed cause of inflation. For one, inflation cannot be caused by wage increases because inflation, by definition, is more money. So whatever you're calling money, more money introduced into the economy. That's it. There is no production value, nothing, because you can have inflation without prices going up. So this is a big, big problem when you have people like this telling you why inflation is happening they don't they don't start from reality they start from a point in history where something's already happening and they go this is the first day you know and and they come up with these weird weird things they don't they don't think about coming off the gold standard they don't think about the 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 federal reserve or the the yeah, the Federal Reserve being um, loose with money because of war. They don't think about like the fact that we just went to war at some point. And like when you talk about war times, um, like we went to war in all our productive value. They took all the moms that didn't go to war <laughs> and made them make things that just blow up that don't create any value. <laughs> and then like, of course, we're going to run into a you know, uh, uh, a depression because like, yeah, there's money that went into the economy, but there's nothing to buy with it. That means that everything worth buying costs that much more because it doesn't matter how much money is in the economy. It's what 
the thing that you're trying to buy is worth. If there is only four things that people want in the economy, those four things are going to be worth a lot of money. In any type, depending, if there's $1,000 in, in the economy at this time, those four things are going to be worth a lot of money. And if there's $100,000 in the economy at this time, it's going to be a lot of money. It's going to be a lot of money to whoever's got the money. The thing about inflation is, is the way that we inflate today is through uh, the Federal Reserve, which is disguised as something called lower interest rates. So to keep interest rates lower than they naturally would be, you introduced liquidity into the economy, money. And this money being printed out of nowhere means that banks have more money to lend. Therefore, they want to lend it. Therefore, interest rates go down. So when they say, oh, we're hitting a key interest rate of this, that just means they're printing enough money to get banks to loan it out at that to their top lending people. So that's what's happening here. What this person is describing is way in the future of all this happening and is a side is a consequence of all this distortion and they're they're just starting at that point so let's see the equation that they have equation let's get smart about it because that's what they call it for what inflation is and let's see if that matches what the actual equation for for inflation is there was the same concern in Europe. In Germany, the UK, the head of the UK's central bank actually said last year that workers should restrain themselves from asking for big wage increases because inflation could get, quote, out of control. But it seems like a 1970s style wage price spiral hasn't happened. Not in Europe, not in the U.S., Janet Yellen, the U.S. Treasury Secretary, just said this year that a wage price spiral is, quote, not happening. In fact, wages, on average, haven't really been keeping up with inflation, at least until recently. So if wages haven't been the big problem, what has been keeping inflation going? So just real quick, I think it is worth pointing out that while you did disagree with that initial assumption there it seems like they at least uncovered to this point that you were right in that that's not right but this is a psychological tactic used in in propaganda Fair enough. So. Hello and welcome to Planet Money. I'm Sarah Gonzalez. And I'm Greg Rosalski. In the past, we've kind of blamed workers for inflation, for creating the wage price spiral by asking for raises. So they, they discredit it, right? But then they go, we've kind of blamed workers for inflation. There's a lot of schools of economic thought that don't blame the workers for inflation. In fact, most don't. Most credible economic schools of thought do not blame workers' wages on inflation. So, I mean, that's, I mean, there's only two that I really even, and one of them is already discredited. You know, uh, uh, socialism, Marxism does that. So, like, and Marxism is all about wages going up for the people, but like. That's how they define what stuff costs is like, like the wages of the people, then uh, the cost of making it and, you know, whatever the company takes out of it. I think that's how prices are, are created. Most credible forms of economic thought think that uh, wages are created by the consumers who won't pay anymore for that or will pay whatever and then as more competition comes into that market you get lower rates and the consumer's idea of what that should cost changes so let's move forward 
But there are now also concerns among economists and central bankers about a totally different kind of spiral, a profit price spiral. Today on the show, we're looking at inflation a little differently now. And more eyes are on corporations, at least in some corners of economics. Um, okay, will you say your name and title for us? Okay. Um, Isabella Weber, professor of economics at the University of Massachusetts Amherst. Isabella is how I should say your first name. Yeah, I mean, I'm German, so it's a Spanish name. Um, I don't know how to pronounce it anymore, to be honest. <laughs> we talked to Isabella because she's kind of at the center of this debate about what's been driving inflation. Isabella's background is in inflation during times of economic transitions, like after World War II. Yeah, so inflation in times of uh, structural breaks and pretty fundamental processes of change. Um, so I had studied the transition from a war to a post-war economy. And Isabella says there is a formula for what causes inflation. And it's very simple. It's costs plus corporate profits. That's how you get inflation. Costs are wages, right? You know, like labor and what you have to spend on, like, raw materials and energy. And corporate profits are, well, you know, profit. I mean, it's the money that companies make after covering their costs. So, I hate to be the guy who brings us down to the coconuts, but let's go down to a coconut. So, you're on an island with a few people. One dude... He's kind of become a specialist in the coconut thing. And for a while, you're buying coconuts from him by what? Let's say you're catching crabs, right? So you're trading a few crabs for some coconuts. And he realizes that, you know, everybody's scared of heights. Nobody's going to climb these fucking trees, get these damn coconuts. So I'm going to. I want, I used to want one crab for two coconuts. Now I'm going to get crazy. I want 10 crabs for one coconut. And you're like, fuck, I'm scared of heights. I'm scared of heights. So pay him 10 crabs for one coconut. And then, you know, you do it a couple times and you're looking at it. And you think, fuck, I'm going to start uh, climb a little bit up the tree. Still paying 10 crabs for a coconut. A little bit up the tree. You realize you get up this tree and you realize it's really easy to get coconuts and you're not that scared. You become a coconut dealer and a crab dealer and then you put that fucker out of business. Because he is, he's not only is he charging too much, but even if he brings them down, people who have been really scared to the other five people on the island who have actually not been able to get past climbing the tree. They're like, they appreciate you so much that they're just they're like, fuck that guy. So now he's got to make rope. He's got to learn to make rope out of hemp. He's he's really going to get behind. And maybe he becomes this great rope. But he gets, he loses out because of this. That's what happens in a free market. Okay. Um, and then... Again, inflation is just the amount of money introduced. The amount of the exchange substance that you use, which is money. It's not how much is produced. It's not anything else. Inflation is how much of that there is. That's it. You can have inflations and inflation and prices going down. This is the trick they try to do. What they'll do is they'll say that you, the people out in the real world, start making value, start building stuff, start coming up with new innovative things that make the world a better place and make the world easier to navigate. And you have to charge X amount to do it. And it's great and wonderful. And everybody's richer because of it. But then to suck a little bit of that value out, what they'll do is they'll print more money to keep the interest rates down. That's what they say, right? 
But what that does is that that value that you added to our economy, it sucks that out. It gives it to the ultra wealthy who are printing the money. So they'll try to match the amount of money they're printing with the amount of value that's being added to the economy. So people won't notice the inflation. Won't notice how much money is being stolen from them without taxes. Because without that, let's think of the 08 crash. You know, all that money was added to the economy, and yet inflation didn't spiral out of control, like everybody said. Why did that not happen? Well, let's see, there was a lot of huge things that were added to the economy at that time, like Amazon, not just books anymore, Netflix, and all these huge things that were added to the economy to make us all a little richer, make TV and movies cheaper for us and whatnot. But instead of it getting cheaper, it got maybe a little cheaper because they added a lot of money into the economy and they gave it to their friends. So the dollars you already had and you were paying towards things became worth less money so let's say you're paying $13 for Netflix you should be paying four so I do believe you are omitting a piece in okay let's let's stick with your your coconuts piece here because I take your point that someone can manipulate and drive prices up, and then the market will resolve. Or, like you say, naturally, let prices fall due to innovation and value being created. Mm-hmm. In the same way that if that guy finds a way to get coconuts even easier for himself and he passes those savings along, those can go down. But I think it omits that prices can naturally rise as well. It doesn't require manipulation because in that same scenario, mm-hmm. if if some natural occurrence, the let's say a natural disaster, yeah, or something happens where this guy can only produce a tenth of the amount of coconuts that he could before, then now they are at least relatively more valuable because absolutely supply and demand don't meet. But you have to think that doesn't bring a, another person into the market to undercut him because there isn't that value there. He is getting them at the best value possible to the constituents, the people, the customers, the whatever. So that that added value of coming in to invading his market is not there. So for him, it it still could be, though, because if if I say, look, because this this happens in natural markets anyway, because even though the price naturally rises, whether it be through some phenomenon like this or some other decrease of value that can still motivate businesses to go into that market innovation into that market. Not necessarily the business. It, it 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 motivates the innovation. Now, if the innovation solves the problem, then it, then that motivates the business to come in and whatnot. Well, no, that's that's the point I'm making. Is it's not innovation. It's just someone deciding that this is the threshold. If they're going to be ten times more expensive, I will actually learn to climb the tree. And now, but if they're ten has, times as hard. It doesn't that doesn't really make any sense make because if you're spending ten times as much money to climb the tree and ten times you're getting ten times the money back, that's a very arbitrary thing. That that doesn't really affect the economy. That's very that's even. Even Steven. If you're crab man, <laughs> hey crab man. Yeah. In your initial scenario, he decides that the prices are too high and he's going to climb. Mm -hmm. He would be motivated to do that regardless of what caused that increase in price. 
So my real point is, let's let's just take it to its extreme then to get to the real point is at some point if the tornado came through and fucked it all up, right? At some point coconuts aren't worth it. We just don't buy them. There's not enough. It's too expensive. It just doesn't make sense. There's like four coconuts. The guy wants, he only has four, so survive. He's charging way too much. I'm not going to take any of them. He can live on coconuts. I'm a crab dude. I'll find something else. But the point they're making is that inflation is the cost of you doing business plus the profit you want to make. Which is a stupid idea of inflation because, for one, it doesn't deal with inflation. It only deals with price. There are schools of thought that thought that, but none that are credible today. So, what we're dealing with is just is a false definition of inflation. And by false, I, I, I mean like in no way could you possibly think that some credible source would think that this is the definition of inflation. Right. It is the effect of inflation. So you can calculate the effect of yep. inflation and where they manifest. In right. Two prices, prices are going up because, because of this. Let's say you could say because of this company is like, oh shit, I'm it's costing me this much, whatever, and prices are going up, but like that's still also not the end of the equation when it comes to the prices going up, and two, it has nothing to do with inflation, nothing because inflation is only the money supply increasing period whether the productivity goes up or down prices going up or down does not matter inflation can still happen inflation is still robbing you even if you're not paying more for a product because you should have been paying less for that product and that's the real evil is fucking stole from you and you didn't even see it happening and that's what they love about it and the fact that it you do see it happening right now and they don't know how to get it out out of your view that's why they're coming up with all these fancy little schemes and whatnots to show you oh it's not really our fault even though we've been in charge of the whole thing forever it's not us. Here's why. Don't fall for it. There is only one definition of inflation. And it is an increase in money supply. So anytime they say, oh, we're going to keep the interest rates here. We're going to keep the interest rates there. What that means is, unless they're increasing or decreasing money to keep the inflation to interest rate higher than normal which I've never seen that happen before and they're trying to keep the interest rate lower down or at a steady market price that means they're adding money to your to the economy which sounds good right more money in the economy what does that mean the dollar you have is worth that much less. And who did they give the dollar to when they added to your economy? To the big bank. They didn't have shit. And they just said, oh, now you have liquidity to make a loan for a house. And you're like, oh, finally. Finally, I had enough money to buy a $350,000 three-bedroom house with only one bathroom. And you're like, oh, 
Thank God. Thank God. And this bank goes, here's the money that we don't have. And by the way, you're going to pay us in all your labor for the next 30 years. Okay. And that 30 years of work is the value of the money that they get back is the scam. Because they didn't put in 30 years of work. So we've we, we've said the same thing about eight times here. So let's let's and they've only talked for about four minutes. Let's let's give them a bit more. Uh, All right, sorry. Let's let's, let's jump back in here. My bad. Continue, sir. So if labor costs increase because you have to pay workers more, you can get inflation. If corporate profits go up, you can get inflation. But in most of our lifetimes corporate profits have never appeared to play like any big role in this equation. So when corporations started making a ton of profits during the pandemic, like like record profits, all of these economists were kind of like, yeah, that, that's OK. It's not a problem. Corporations can make however much money they can get out of us. It's not like driving inflation or anything. Corporations always tried to raise prices whenever they could. Did the profit-maximizing behavior of firms suddenly take a jump up in 2021? I don't have any evidence that that's the case. I don't think inflation has anything much to do with uh, gouging. Blaming inflation on greed is like blaming a plane crash on gravity. This greed or greedflation argument was dismissed pretty definitively by most economists, including Isabella. Firms have always been greedy, right? I mean, firms always want to pursue profits. That's what firms do. Um, So I don't think that there has been a sudden increase in corporate greed. But the question is, when is a situation when they can hike prices? And when is a situation where they cannot hike prices? Isabella says some of the economic forces that normally keep prices and profits in check can break down a little bit sometimes. Like when there are really severe bottlenecks. Like the kind we had after World War II. Let's define what a bottleneck is. Because they refer to a bottleneck as a bottleneck and do not go further. World War II. (laughs) What was the bottleneck in World War II with the economy? Oh, companies that made bombs and bomb-like products were guaranteed. Therefore, employees clamored to get jobs at bomb-making things and then didn't make a dish towel, didn't make a tub, didn't make a microwave, didn't make a plate. What happened to plates, microwaves, dish towels? what have you, the price went up. Bombs blew up. I do think it's worth calling out, though, that Isabella here, I think, at least in a sense, agrees with you, though, that there hasn't been a sudden increase in greed and a sudden increase of profit or even percentage-wise. Agreed. But she does not willing to say what this bottleneck is. She's missing the point of the money was created to go to war in most circumstances. And it was created out of nothing. But, but there is no link to that in her explanation of what inflation is. And inflation is only the creation of money, period. Whether whether you are creating more products or not. And she leaves that completely out. Is it an innocent mistake? I don't know. But I tend to think mistakes like this are made on purpose because there is an agenda. So Isabella, I'm sorry, but your equation leaves out the entire equation for inflation. When 
firms had to retool from producing tanks to producing cars, um, from producing guns to producing refrigerators and so on, um, so that you also had pretty severe bottlenecks. Um, and in that kind of situation, firms reacted by increasing price in ways that increased their profits. So I had been studying that case. So they did not react by increasing price, by increasing to increase their profits. No, the, the money they had been spent on bombs and bullets and whatnot was a waste Oh, complete waste. So the product was a waste. That meant there was that much more liquidity in the economy for things like refrigerators and whatnot, what have you. These people react to the market and they go, oh, I want this much for my refrigerator. And that's the appropriate amount for the refrigerator if that's what people pay for it. Because there is this much in the economy. And there is that much refrigerators. The problem is, is the guy who saved his fucking dollar 30 years ago just got it stolen by all those rich fucks that were friends with the dude who printed the goddamn money. That's the real problem. That's what really happened. So all these fuckers talking about, including Isabella, who talking about, oh, let's, it's it's the corporate profits is corporate prof they're the ones who make it happen and their little their little equation and shit will just make it happen more what really stops this shit from happening is stop printing the fucking money stop giving it to your buddies for lower interest rates than everybody else can have and quit incentivizing everybody who isn't who doesn't have the money to be in in debt to rich people. And then whenever oh they think, oh, the economy's gonna crash because all these in debt people are gonna be able to pay their bills, I know what we'll do. We'll call it a national emergency and we'll give them a thousand bucks a piece and they'll be able to pay their rent. And then all of our friends will be happy because they'll all get their rent payments. And then all the motherfuckers who needed to pay the rent are still fucked. But all the buddies got the rent payment. And then we'll call that charity. We'll call that charity. Me and you sitting back going, oh, that's charitable as fuck, man. Good job. Good job, government. Good job. You just you just saved people's ass. They're in their, they're still in their house. That they maybe shouldn't have been in, shouldn't have signed that contract. And if they didn't sign that contract, it would have gone down and they probably would have had it anyway, but for an affordable price. Secondly, what the fuck, guys? There is a definition for something. Inflation is not that. That is a blatant lie. And you fucking know it. You fucking know it, NPR. Debate me on that shit. Let's go. That's 15 minutes of my life. Whatever. Fuck NPR. Can't even get the definition of inflation is what? The, the, the Marxist equation for price? How fucking wrong can you get? Nobody nobody credible thinks that shit. That's fucking stupid. And they 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 just like name it out like it's uh like it's uh, it's a common belief. It's a very easy equation to get inflation. You just uh what something costs to make and then you add what the company wants to make profit from it. I wish it was that way. Because I would just like uh, make a, a doodad company. Like, ah, oh, fuck, man. Cost me 10 cents to make it, but I want to make $37 per unit profit. So that's what we'll set the price at. Let's do it. I wish it worked like that. I'd have me a bunch of different doodad companies. 
so it's it's not that the equation is wrong. It's that the equation is measuring the effect of inflation as opposed to being able to predict inflation. Your point being that the market can't just create numbers and that creates inflation. When wages go up, when profits go up, they both create the effects of inflation. So, well, profits and wages going up are the effect of inflation because, because let's say I'm a company who sees, because the whole point of being an entrepreneur is like you, you're predicting the future. So if you're predicting because the dollar is being printed like a motherfucker, now everybody's going to have a thousand dollars for every hundred dollars. You're like, oh, well, everything's going to 10 times more expensive. If you're right about your, your, um, prediction or whatever, you're going to try to manipulate your prices. So you hit that right. So you're not like losing profit at any point. Right. Cause you have to do this shit ahead of time as an entrepreneur. So while they would say prices are going up because you're doing this or whatever. No, prices are going up because you printed that amount of money and that person saw it and goes, I, I got to fucking change what I'm doing, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so it, it's, it's still the effect of you printed too much goddamn money or you printed more money and, or you didn't print enough. It didn't really fucking matter. I personally think you printed too much because if you printed, I, I think there should be a set amount and then divisions of that because I think that works. I think that's fair. Uh, but other than that, uh, I'm just going to tell you the reaction or what happens when you do it the wrong way. And they're doing the fucking wrong way. What's happening is you want, you want me to, be okay with uh with whatever with the this amount of money for that um am i okay with it okay that's ten dollars for a beer am i okay with it no but i'll pay it but i'm not coming out next week i mean that's a different that that happens right and then things things change and capital changes but when the price was low for that money, a lot of people said, oh, well, the, the risk value is a lot lower, so let's, I'm going to create a brewery. Well, 10 people did that because there's so much money being added to the... But we didn't need 10 breweries. So only three of them are going to work out. So that's the loss of value to the everybody in the world everybody not not americans not any everybody in the world loses when that happens that's why the natural market works because it stops it faster it stops malinvestment faster and things like big government just prolong malinvestment there's always going to be malinvestment but the idea is to make it less profitable, less likely, less just enticing. And good value investment becoming more enticing. It's very simple. It's very fucking simple. And while they say their definition of inflation is very simple, it's wrong. <laughs> And it's not just like, oh, you could interpret it wrong. It's absolutely, entirely wrong. Nobody credible believes that that's the definition of inflation or the equation to get inflation. It is absolutely wrong. 
And that is where we should start talking about where the solution is. Because what we want, what I want, is a better future for my children. I don't want a better tomorrow for me. I want a better future for everybody. So I will not steal from you so I can be better off tomorrow, especially at the expense of next month. Isabella says really severe bottlenecks present opportunities for corporations to hike prices in ways that they can't hike prices in normal times. Because in normal times, there's a fear that raising your prices can make you lose customers. But when there are bottlenecks and shortages, Isabella says that that competitive pressure, the, the fear of losing customers, becomes weaker. Because, she says, consumers expect prices to be higher in moments like this, so corporations can profit more. So, Bart, what do you think that bottleneck is? Because I know you know this situation. When the government creates a situation that only their friends are best suited to solve, what happens to competitors that were naturally competing to that with that company? I mean, they're they're not going to compete. They cannot. Right, because this is an artificial situation was put forth to knock the competitors out of the way. This is what we call a monopoly. This is a true monopoly. This is the only way a monopoly truly can exist is with the initiation of force. And this is what's happening. This is what she's describing. This is this natural phenomenon known as bottlenecking that she's talking about. Set forth at the time that we were what? Oh, uh locking people down in their fucking homes. So let's see what this natural phenomenon known as bottlenecking can do to an economy. Thank you. It's a libella. So if you look in the data um, for profit margins, then the last time the profit margins shot up was in 46, 47, right after the war. So right after the war, it, but it, the profit margins went up. Well, I wonder why that was. Okay. <laughs> we we can't stop it every 15 seconds because... But it's like, the same exact thing. Get... It's the same thing. It's the exact same answer. When the government is in control of who's winning and who's losing, like in the war economy, if you are an essential company, then those few companies profit margins are going to go up so isabella i bet you have nothing to say about that continue saying nothing about things that really matter thank you so in 2020 when the pandemic started and there were all of these supply chain issues because factories had shut down and people all of a sudden wanted to buy more stuff and there were those big shortages isabella was like i think i know how this story is going to turn out Already in 2020, we were starting to see first bottlenecks, right? And I was like, oh my God, this is kind of the same situation as the one that we were in right after the war. Um, and I was kind of waiting for that thing to happen. <laughs> I was waiting for prices to go up and profits to go up. So I wasn't surprised when inflation hit in 2021. If you remember, the leading theory was that this episode of inflation was going to be transitory, right? That it would all go away once the supply chain issues sorted themselves out. But Isabella was like, I'm not so sure. Hold on. That was not the leading theory. That was the news theory. That was the government theory. But every economist I talked to, that was not their theory. I think you're making a pretty semantic argument because when you say leading, it no, is what they said 90... leading. I didn't say I, I said it after they said it. They said leading. <laughs> I know, and it and it was. It, was it? Yeah. I mean, leading where? I mean, because because like if you know what in, if you know the definition of of inflation, then 
It's not deleting. So as of people that know the definition of inflation, that wouldn't be leading. You would have all you would have to know is the definition of inflation. That's the only information you would have to know to know that this, this is not fucking transitory. You don't have to be an economist to know that. Prices going up, that could be transitory. We could talk about that. Yeah, let's let's say that. <laughs> but still, I'm fucking right. I'm not, I don't think anyone's telling you that you're not right. Uh, but I, I would you, hope you, not. You Nobody listens to this. But you picking I'm a so fight mad. on leading is losing. Leading? Oh, uh, no. Because, because they're not. These people are propagandists. They claim to be the leading minds and shit. What? But they're so, not. We are the leading minds and so shit because we actually wanna... know what's going on. We could tell you what's going to happen next. We know what's going on. The Austrian school so far is by far the, the best. Of, do you want to argue the definition of leading or do you actually want to tackle the ideas? <sighs> I think you I have to do, choose. I want to do both, motherfucker. <laughs> You have to choose. <laughs> I'm so fucking mad about this. I want to do both. So, while I disagree, and I would say that we are the leading minds in economic thought, I will concede at the moment to continue this podcast. Thank you. Okay. I was like, okay, now it's time for me to step in. She writes an op-ed in December of 2021. So I started the article off by saying there is an overlooked component in inflation, um, which is an explosion in corporate profit margins. And in this article, Isabella pointed out that mainstream and conservative economists after World War II all wrote a letter to the editor of the New York Times once in 1946 warning that Really severe bottlenecks are a big problem for trying to contain inflation. The most prominent, most reputable um, representatives of the economics profession, people like Paul Samuelson. Oh, Paul Samuelson, who could forget him? He probably wrote the most popular economics textbook. Irving Fisher, who is an extremely conservative monetary theorist. Oh, Irving Fisher, who could forget? <laughs> <laughs> At the time, they were arguing that in the areas where you have very severe bottlenecks, you would need strategic, carefully selected price controls in order to prevent firms from hiking prices. My point was to say that this was what economists, when they were studying this kind of problem in a very active way, <laughs> that this is what they came up with. And the reaction was uh, pretty brutal. So price controls this is her answer. So absolutely the the worst outcome of all of this is her answer, which coincidentally puts what control of almost everything into the hands of who? Who? The nanny. Oh. Pretty brutal. Yeah. <laughs> what happened? Well, um, it was picked up on Twitter and um, economists, including some very famous economists, <laughs> um, thought that it was entirely absurd. Um, I was being called um, names. I was um, being shamed for not being a real economist in an exam question of the University of Chicago. Um, <laughs> and... Uh, I, I was basically um, called crazy for um, saying what I was saying. People were mainly upset that she was saying we should consider imposing strategic price controls, like the United States used to do back in the day. Hold on. He said back in the day. So what day was he talking about? That would be very important to know if they worked. In other words, putting a cap on how much corporations can charge for some very selective things, which is a big no-no in most economic corners, because generally speaking, 
They believe price controls distort the economy and create shortages. Think the huge lines for gas stations in the 1970s after President Nixon put in some price controls. Yeah, so the the price control stuff was the big, big headline. But Isabella says people were actually equally annoyed with her for suggesting that corporate profits play a role in inflation. But Isabella and other economists way before her have kind of been like, I mean, of course corporate profits can be a driver of inflation. It's right there in the inflation formula. Inflation is a rise in costs, like wages, plus a rise in profits. There is no reason why we could only have an inflation that is driven by wages. We could equally have an inflation that is driven by profits. We should say here that Isabella has a reputation for being in... An unorthodox thinker. An unorthodox thinker. But recently, a few people have joked to Isabella that she might be losing her reputation as an unorthodox thinker because now more and more studies and more and more economists are saying maybe we should start looking more at the profit side of the formula. I think it can tell us a few things. So, yeah, I think the the discourse has shifted, but um, we haven't quite uh, landed on, on a final conclusion yet. That's after the break. Anybody else just want to say cheers? It's a trap, there's no 